Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. I'm so excited about this morning. We, we have this great day. We're launching our vision campaign and our vision Sunday. And it's great to be with you. I'm at Mission Hill this morning, but coming live and so cool to be able to do this to all of our campuses at one time. It was almost a year ago that we started on a journey to discover what God was wanting to do through our church over the next three to five years. This Sunday, we're launching the vision for what we believe God is wanting us to do in our church and through our church and on our campuses. Our entire vision process began from studying the early church and trying to discover what God would want to do today in us and through us. Our process was to look at everything we have been doing, evaluate what we need to be doing, and the first thing we looked at was our mission. When it comes to our mission, it hasn't changed. It won't ever change. In fact, our mission is given to us by Jesus himself. We find it in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. These words were recorded after Jesus' resurrection, before he ascended into heaven. And let's read starting with verse 16. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Yeah. You didn't look at the camera once, even when you said at all of our campuses. Okay. So you're, uh, you, this is like, so section, section, section. Okay, I gotcha. So you okay. use this as your third look. Okay. Because you want it to feel natural like you're here. Right. But you also want to look right there, which so again, yep, okay. On Sunday, you'll have the same thing. So it'll be section, section, camera. I gotcha. Yep, yep. Yep. Okay, so I need to do, go through it again. Yeah, if you go through the beginning, yep. especially when you're referring to somebody that's not in the room, mm-hmm. go to the book. That's just when you start back there. It's funny, my, my um, I tried to go back in my sermon, it wouldn't go. So weird. I wouldn't go to the first page. Yeah. Oh, are you serious? Oh, really? Oh, wow. 
Right. And I'm always slow. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Can you? I wonder. I wonder if you can do Word or pages on it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 Yep. Um, okay. All right. Good morning. It is so good to be with you this morning. When I think about today, there's just a great excitement. It's our Vision Sunday. We're kicking off our vision campaign. And and the cool part about today is we're all together. We're all doing the same thing. And so coming live from Mission Hill, but but at each of our campuses, I'm so glad you're here and so glad to be a part of this Sunday. Almost a year ago, we started on a journey to discover what God would have our church to do over the next three to five years. This Sunday, we're launching that vision for what we believe God is wanting us to do through us and in us on all of our campuses. Our entire vision process began from studying the early church and trying to discern what God wants to do today in us and through us. Our process was to look at everything, everything we have been doing and evaluate what we need to be doing. And the first thing we looked at was our mission. When it comes to our mission, it hasn't changed. It won't ever change. Our mission is given to us by God. But Jesus himself, right? I mean, think about it. We find it in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And we're going to start reading in verse 16. But when you think about it, these words are recorded after Jesus' resurrection, before his ascension. It says in verse 16, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The reason every church exists is for this mission. The challenge we face every day is to stay on mission. The mission is to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Key parts of the mission are go, right? We can't expect people to come to us. We must go to them. We must talk to them about who Jesus is and what he has done for us. That was the story of the early church. They were constantly talking about the resurrected Jesus. The message is simply, Jesus crucified, buried, and rose again. This is the cornerstone of everything about being a church. This isn't the only thing we're to do, but it is the main thing we should be doing. If we get this wrong, there isn't any reason for a church to exist. We must make sure to keep the mission of Jesus 
the mission of the church. We aren't responsible for every church in our city and how they live this out, but we are responsible for our church. We must place a greater focus on going and making disciples. Our jobs is to make disciples of the people who come to our church and come to each of our campuses, but we also must do our part of the command, go. We must get into the marketplace and the areas of our community and share the message of Jesus with people. The mission is the most important part of what we are talking about today. We didn't make up this mission. The mission was given to us by God. It should be the same for every church in the world. So it's the same for all of our campuses and for our church. The rest of today, we're going to describe how we as Topeka First and our campuses are going to live this out going forward. I'm not going to give you a quiz today, but, but if I were to ask you what our vision statement is right now, I'm not sure we'd know, right? We may or may not know, but I'm hoping, and my prayer is, as we go forward, you're going to know our vision statement. Our mission, go and make disciples, right? That's the mission. When we talk about vision, it's how we are going to live it out. After many conversations and prayer with our board and pastoral staff, we believe this should guide us going forward. We are to love God, love people, and inspire hope. I know you get part of that. You already understand love God, love people. But don't don't close me off yet. Make sure you listen here because I, I think we're going to go a little bit further than maybe where we are. And I want to challenge your thinking about what it means to love God and love people. And then we'll get to inspire hope. You probably know where love God and love people comes from. And if you guess the great commandment, you're right. Our mission comes from the great commission. And the basis of our vision comes from the great commandment. Here's how that worked. One day, Jesus was asked a tough question by some teachers of religious law. They weren't really looking for an answer. You know what they were looking for? They were really looking for a, a fight. It was sort of kind of part of a debate, right? They were having a debate. They were kind of having this conversation, and they were debating things, and Jesus is there, and they're asking him questions. And we find it in Mark 12, verse 28. It says this, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there, listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Here Jesus was, he was put on the spot. If we were asked the question today, what would our response be? If we broke down what are the most important things we should be doing, what, what are the most important things that should be guiding every church, and especially our church, what would we say? Hopefully, you would start with the Great Commission, right? Go and make disciples. And then you would come right here to these verses as well. 
as leaders of Topeka First, we are committed to moving forward from this foundation. We must focus on going and making disciples, and we need to do that by loving God first. The first priority must be to love God. It's so easy to be involved in things and lose focus on the reason why we are doing them. We must commit to loving God. Jesus spelled it out in his day in terms that the people who asked the question understood. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. What does that mean to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength? What does that look like? It looks like this. With everything you have, you love God. With with everything about you, you love God. Think about that for a moment. What does it mean to love God with everything you have? With all your mind? With the best of your mental capacity? With all the strength you have? Think about that. With everything you have, with with all that makes you up, with everything you bring to life in this world, you're going to love God with that. You're going to give him the best of your mind. You're going to give him the best of your heart, your passions, your loves, all those things. You're going to give him everything. There isn't a part we should hold back from God. We, We need to make sure that we are invested fully. You've seen people, right? You've seen the the super fan for your favorite sports team. They they go all out and you're like, man, that dude is weird, right? Now, we don't want to go that far, but we do want to be all out. We want to be all consumed by loving God. Because if we'll love God with everything we have, I know it's a challenge. It's, it's going to be something that we're going to have to work at and we're not going to be perfect at it, but, but we want to love God with everything that we have. And then we want to love people, right? We want to love God and we want to love people. And I know when we say love people, like, yeah, 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 I get it, I get it, I get it. We sort of, we get it. Look, our world struggles with what it means. To love. Love in our culture is more selfish than what Jesus was talking about. Look, when, when Jesus is saying love people, like he's thinking on a different level than when we talk about love people. Like when we talk love people in our culture today, it's not love people like Jesus is talking love people. We have to constantly define love because there's so many wrong ideas of what love is. Here's a great definition of love I ran across. Love is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person in which one gives oneself to another to bring the relationship to God's intended purposes. Now think about that too. Think about that for just a moment, right? Love is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. Okay, if you've been married, you know that's the case, right? Love is a commitment, unconditional, to an imperfect person. 
I'm not perfect, not even close. And so Angela gives me an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. So when you think about what that means, unconditional love and unconditional commitment means I'm with you no matter what. In the good times, you know, we, we hear it in the vows, in sickness and health, you know, richer for poor, all those things, right? We get it in that, but, but, but when we think about it, it's an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. And the purpose of that commitment is to help bring about God's intended purposes. In fact, it's that in marriage, right? When in marriage, it's the same kind of thing. We're trying to bring God's intended purposes to life in the other person. And that's what we're talking about. When we're talking about loving people, it's to give yourself unconditionally to someone who is going to hurt you to help them become who God wants them to be and to become. I mean, loving people isn't just doing good things for them. That's the start of it. If all we do is good things, that isn't enough. If all we do is alleviate some pain in their life, we aren't doing enough. Should we help alleviate some pain in their lives? Absolutely. But we can't stop there. The person who loves God with everything they have, heart, soul, mind, will understand what God's will is for their life. And God's will is revealed through the scriptures. And they will gladly, eagerly obey that will. And they'll do it. And they'll live life in a way that God has designed for them to live. And in turn, their obedience to God's will transforms their entire being, heart, soul, and mind, into the image that God is wanting to make in them so that they're more like what God wants them to be. And then with that is loving your neighbor as themselves, which means They're giving themselves to other people to help them live as God intended life to be lived so that they help them in their own transformation. So when you start to think about this, this loving God is about loving and giving ourselves to God that he can transform us. And then by being transformed by God, we then give ourselves to the people around us. We love people so that then we help them become transformed, right? So when you think about what we're talking about, it's not just this cool couple words. It is, Lord, would you transform me as I love you? And that as I'm loving you and you're transforming me, would you use that love and relationship we have that then I can have an impact on people around me. As I love people around me, then they will be transformed as well. And that brings us to the last part. Inspire hope. So love God, love people, inspire hope. Uh, Okay, so hope needs some definition or or defining a little bit, right? I mean, when you think about it, a hope is an expectation or belief in the fulfillment of something desired, right? Present hurts 
and uncertainty over what the future holds creates the constant need for hope. When you think about worldwide hunger, worldwide poverty, disease, human potential to create terror and destruction that creates a longing for something better. Look, historically, people have looked to the future with a mixture of longing and fear. Look, we don't have to go far, even right now, that there is a building of fear. All I'd have to say is coronavirus. And people are like, oh no, it's going to, look, I get it. It's real. It's out there. If this place is our home, then we have a lot to be afraid of. This is not our home. And I'm not talking about escapism. I just need to understand, we need to be people of hope. Many have concluded that there is no reasonable basis for hope. And therefore, to live with hope or to have a hope is to live with an illusion. But the scriptures teach us clearly that being without hope is like being without God. And so when you think about it, Ephesians 2, 2 says, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. I mean, think about that for just a moment. We can't truly have hope without Christ. We, we, without Christ, there isn't a true hope. You can have hope that things will change. You can hope that some social ills will get better. But in the end, it doesn't matter because we all die. Hope is found in Christ. But while living on this earth, knowing Christ and living for Christ, we can inspire others with hope and to have hope. Biblical hope is what God will do in the future. At the heart of Christian hope is the resurrection of Jesus. While living in this world, we have hope. Because we know this is not the end. We also believe that with God, anything is possible. If you look at the greatest problems facing our world today, the solution at some level is God. I mean, understand that if we would adopt, love God, love people, inspire hope, look, many social issues are going to be fixed with that, right? And I don't mean social, it's just kind of, but I mean just worldwide issues, they're going to be fixed with that because loving God and loving people cuts out selfishness. Hope is not selfish. We also must have a hope that Christ is in us and that Christ in us will make a difference in the people and problems around us. Christian hope, far from leading to social unconcern, makes meaningful ministry in this world possible. There's been a lot of efforts to, to transform society which fail because of an inability to transform people's values so that they are able to live at peace and share what they have with others. In the context of 
the social implications of the Christian life, Paul brings together certain important categories, right? Showing the relevance of hope to ministry. Paul writes in Romans 12, he says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Look, everything of our life should tie together. So we love God. We need to love people. And as we love God and love people, we're going to inspire hope. And if we inspire hope, people are going to recognize that we live in a different way in a world that sometimes struggles with hope. We're really good at fear in our world, but we're not real good at hope in our world. And I'm just saying to you, we could love God, love people, and inspire hope. Because of hope, we will work to do the will of God in our world. And we will inspire hope in the people around us. We as followers of Jesus should be the most hope-filled people on the planet. So, we as the campuses of Topeka First will love God, love people, and inspire hope. In the next six weeks, we're going to dig deeper into how we're going to do this as a church.